Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago, then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the grow your own food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Welcome to the Urban Farm Podcast. Today we have featured farmer Kari Spencer here to talk about her farming experience. Kari is a popular local gardening and homesteading speaker, both a master gardener and a master farmer. Kari enjoys her passion for growing and raising food with others. In addition to teaching classes all over Phoenix, she is one of our extraordinary teachers that delivers content for Urban Farm U. Currently, she's delivering Growing Food the Basics and a Backyard Livestock class. The Microfarm Project is a small farm in North Phoenix where gardens and livestock animals provide her family with food and fun. She loves to experiment with new ways to create a healthier, more self-reliant and sustainable lifestyle and invites others to join her on her journey. Welcome to the show today, Kari. How are you? I'm doing great, Greg. How are you? Fantastic. Fantastic. So I shared a bit about your bio, but now I'm going to turn it over to you to fill in the blanks and provide a glimpse about your urban farm. Well, you mentioned that my farm is a small farm up in North Phoenix, Uh and I'm not really very far from the urban farm. So we live basically in the same neighborhood, but I, I have just over a third of an acre. It's not it's not huge. Not, not huge. No, but on that property we've raised sheep and goats and turkeys and quail and chickens and all kinds of animals. Wow. And we also have nineteen gardens on the property. Nineteen gardens. Yes. Wow, we're gonna have to talk about nineteen gardens here. Yeah, well, 19 gardens is a lot to manage, yes. but, but we've figured out how to do it mm-hmm. by em- employing our children. We have oh. four daughters, uh-huh. and some of them have taken ownership of certain beds, and we also have a garden club that comes in and works with us, and lots of volunteers, so I don't have to do it all on my own. Nice. Yeah. Nice, it's nice. a lot more fun that way, too. Exactly. people doing beside it, you. Doing it in a community. Yeah, right? absolutely. Exactly. Seems to me like recently you were meeting in your front yard a group of people on a Saturday, to do something well we have a garden club that meets in the front yard we put garden beds there we have nine of them in the front wow and the reason that we did that was 
we wanted to be a showcase for urban farming for mm -hmm. one thing so right. people would actually see it in the backyard nobody would even know it was there uh -huh. and secondly we want people to be able to show up and enjoy their garden work in their garden check to see if anything's ready to harvest without having to check to see if i'm home got it so the club members are welcome at any time just to show up and enjoy their gardens so interesting you just so in sharing that just a moment ago you said in their garden not in your garden what's that about well i own the property and i provide the water but when they sign up to be a club member uh -huh. or they sign up for an extended class mm -hmm. then they get a bed that is theirs until they don't want it anymore wow yeah how cool is that well, I think it's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. And then do you get to harvest out of that bed? Oh, yes. We all share. In fact, club members, we get together and we decide what we're going to grow so that we're all not all growing the same thing. Oh, very good. Right. And then if Ugh. somebody has a whole bunch of basil, for instance, everybody can partake in that. Right. And then another bed will have other things in it growing so that we can get a variety and we don't all have to grow everything ourselves. Wow, that's a cool community building tool. It has been. It's It's been incredibly fun. Yeah. You also mentioned your daughters have adopted beds. What, what does that mean? Can you say a little bit more about that? <laughs> well, I have one daughter who's really interested in herbs. Uh -huh. And so she took over one of the beds that's in the back of the property, and she grows her own herbs. And now she's looking into things that she can make with the herbs, some homemade beauty treatments and things of that nature. Wow. And so she wants to sell those items. So right now she's just learning about business and keeping track of all her expenses and watching things grow. And hopefully by the end of the year, she will have some products to sell that she grew and made out of the garden. Wow. Just in and time for Christmas. Yeah, that's the goal. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> and one of our other daughters takes care of the chickens and she sells the eggs. And so every time we have to buy something for the chickens feed or whatever that comes out of her profits and she's oh. learning. She hasn't turned to serious profit yet, <laughs> but it's really good for her to be to learn about how business yeah. works. Oh yeah, exactly. And she's having fun doing it. She yeah. loves the chickens. And they're doing it on the farm. Yeah. On an urban farm. On an urban In the middle farm. of Phoenix. In the middle of Phoenix. How cool yeah. is that? So what does being an urban farmer mean to you? Well, urban. So Ur we're in the city. Okay, yeah, good. Or right. it could be on the outskirts of the city. Um, but we are right in North Phoenix. Mm -hmm. We are surrounded by houses. We're in a neighborhood. Uh, we're not out in the country. So we are urban farmers. And as far as being a farmer is concerned, I think... A farmer is anyone who is growing and raising food and sharing it with somebody else. Mm, okay. So if you're growing it yourself, you you might be a gardener. Mm -hmm. But if you're sharing it with others... Well, even, that, share, even sharing it with a family member is sharing it, right? Sure, yeah. yeah. Then you step into the realm of farm. farmer. Yeah. Yes, and if you can make a profit at it, then you're a serious farmer. urban farmer. There you go. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Cool. So how long have you been doing this? Well, I've been growing food my whole life, uh -huh. but I wouldn't have called myself an urban farmer my whole life. Ah, all right. Uh, when I moved to Phoenix, I didn't grow anything for a while. And when I started to get back to wanting to grow things again, I had no idea what to do here. And 
messed up mm-hmm. bad <laughs> yeah and but it, I, it is a bit of a harsh yeah, environment here isn't it? right that in 2008 2009 i really started to figure out how to do it here on the surface of the sun uh-huh. <laughs> and that's when i would say that i really became an urban farmer i started rubbing shoulders with people who were growing food successfully greg you being one of the primary mm-hmm. ones mm-hmm. and you had chickens and some other people had chickens and i thought that was so cool I know. so boy i got the chickens and they say that chickens are the gateway livestock and that is true because after the chickens we just started adding all kinds of animals and it really got out of control <laughs> for a little bit yeah we've scaled it back somewhat since then but boy was it a blast getting yeah. started i know you mentioned briefly when you started sharing today that the different animals that you have grown there mm-hmm. at the micro farm project so chickens for sure what else well we had coturnix quail Okay. Which are such a great option for people who maybe want fresh eggs and live in an apartment. Oh, if really? the apartment allows you to have a pet bird, uh-huh. then you can have yeah. some coturnix quail. And have fresh eggs. And have fresh eggs. They're little tiny birds that wow. lay an egg almost every day that is 20% of their body weight. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah, and they're even healthier than, than chicken eggs. So we don't have those anymore because we do have the space for the bigger birds. But mm-hmm. I'm glad that we did that because now I can coach people who live in smaller spaces right. on how they can have fresh eggs. Uh, we had turkeys and we still have the turkeys to uh-huh. this day. Now we the had, turkeys the turkeys are for eating, yes? Those are for eating, yeah. yes. Okay. So you, you play with both um, like chicken eggs and then growing turkeys and, and probably even quail for the meat, yes? Oh, sure, yes, yeah. but there's a whole lot more bang for your buck on processing a turkey than a quail. Yeah, that's true. Yes. <laughs> that's true. And yet, but quail is a delicacy, so yeah. a lot of people yeah, really exactly. like that. And we've had sheep. Yeah, so you've, now we're into four-leggeds. Yes, and they, um, I had an image of them just keeping my property nice and neatly moan (laughs) but actually what happened in reality is they ate and stomped down my entire lawn we had no lawn left yeah Yeah. (laughs) but we we had a lot of fun with them we enjoyed them in fact one of the sheep was my favorite animal of all times Oliver the ram Uh and I miss him terribly but he um, is on a bigger property now where he's much happier nice yes and the other sheep are in the freezers (laughs) oh all right there you go Um, and then we had dairy goats uh-huh. and boy they were a blast oh yes so much fun uh, yeah, but I've gotten I, some of your milk from you yes before. they I, I enjoyed them tremendously and even the daily work of having to milk them was such a such an experience but uh, I'm doing a lot of traveling now and yeah. uh, and it's very hard to milk goats when you're not there yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so they have been farmed out so to speak to <laughs> mm-hmm. neighbors so I can go visit them oh perfect perfect yeah. and then you've done rabbits as well we have done rabbits, but right now we just have pet rabbits. Just pets. Okay, just good. Pets. Fantastic. Fantastic. So um, part of what we explore in the Urban Farm Podcast is this whole notion of, well, permaculture and sustainability and regenerative design. So how have you integrated these concepts into your microfarm project? Well, on my farm, we, we try to do things as naturally and as permacultural as possible and first things first I just got back to my roots of growing with my grandfather who was a German immigrant who Uh never put a chemical on his property and he composted and you know we didn't have a name for it back Mm -hmm. then but but he was doing permaculture at the time we just didn't call it that 
And so um, I started doing that on my farm um, and it worked really well. And so then I started to dive deeper into permaculture and figure out some more things that I could do. And one of the key things that I learned about was growing perennial edible plants. Oh, nice. Yes, I, what a concept. You know, yeah. I, I, as a gardener, I knew about annuals that live for a year or mm -hmm. a season. And I knew about perennials that grew year after year after year. But I always thought of perennials as like, you know, landscaping bushes and things like that right. and incorporating those into my garden was a really exciting concept to me so I started looking into what was edible that I could plant once and harvest from for seasons after season nice. and I've started incorporating a lot of those into our garden plan and and some of them are fruit trees some of them are smaller bush type plants that that produce a harvest forever, grapevines and berries and things of that nature that can just plant once and, and eat from for forever, essentially. Nice. Nice, yeah. nice. nice. Yeah, I, I do love fruit trees. I have over 80 of them here planted at the Urban Farm, so I hear you on that one. Yeah. So I'm going to shift a little bit um, to something that you might consider to be your biggest failure or struggle that you've had on your urban farm, uh, and what did you learn from it? Well, <laughs> when I first started gardening here in Arizona, the entire enterprise was a failure. Really? And I think the biggest failure for me was not understanding watering. Yeah, so I was watering my plants every single day and shallowly. Oh. Because right. I, I was mothering my plants and trying to get them to make it through the summer with, you know, giving them lots of water every day. I thought mm -hmm. that would yes. make them better. Yeah. But in reality, it just drove up my water bill and made them worse. Mm -hmm. Why did it make them worse, do you know? Well, there's probably a lot of reasons for it. One of them is that they weren't developing a deep root system because mm -hmm. I was only watering the top of the soil. Right. And so the water was evaporating out really fast so before they could even get it. Mm -hmm. And they were keeping their roots probably right there at the surface of the soil because roots will follow the water. Got it. Right, and um, I think maybe some of them actually might have drowned. Mm -hmm. Some of them I probably overwatered. So I learned that for a vegetable garden, you had to water a foot deep. And then I, if I That's do in the that desert. That's in the desert, in the desert, right? Exactly. If I do that, I don't have to water again for several days or in the winter maybe once a week yeah so then, that that's really helped my water bill and helped my plants to be a lot healthier and then do you, do you add a top mulch to that as well absolutely if you're going to water you got to have mulch there to keep it in right. yeah so there's no point watering unless you're gonna <laughs> mulch because the water won't ab absorb very well into mm -hmm. our clay soils here in phoenix right. unless we put mulch on top and then it will evaporate away on us if we don't put a barrier of mulch in between the sun and the soil got it perfect perfect and do you have something you consider a biggest win oh absolutely the garden club that i referred oh, yes. to that right now is is my biggest win on the farm i, I wish i had come up with that concept years <laughs> ago because it's been such a fun time and people are learning and they're taking the concepts home and growing their own gardens at home and it's just been really quite amazing to see what's happened and all of my beds are in production which they weren't before i started this right. because it would just became too much for me to handle with my schedule which mm -hmm. is incredibly busy 
And so it's just been a genius move, I think. Um, and I don't know where the inspiration came from, but... It sounds pretty perfect to me. It, it has been. So, so in education, what they say is that, you know, go out and learn, but then to learn it more deeply, go out and teach it. Mm. And so that's part of what you've been doing in your front yard, right? Is you, you've learned how to do this. Now you're teaching others to do it. What's the upside of that? Well, there's a really good upside to it in that I am accountable to other people. Oh, yes. To do things right, Mm -hmm. to do things in a timely manner, to do things the way that I tell other people to do them. Oh, yes. Because I give the very best advice, right? Mm -hmm. The the best (laughs) of what I know. But if I don't do it at home, my garden looks really shabby. Uh And if nobody's watching me. Oh, yes. (laughs) It's easy to let things go. Uh-huh. So when I garden with some friends, then they keep me accountable and also oh, keep yes. it fun. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that's really probably been the biggest learning piece for me is just the real value of being consistent mm-hmm. when you're a gardener. Yeah. Consistency is really a big key to a successful garden. And that's hard for me to accomplish on my own. Right. Yeah. It's always nice to have help. I'm pretty much on my own here until recently when my sweetheart Heidi jumped in and helped Mm -hmm. Um, but we we do most of the work here ourselves and it it can be a lot of work yes it can be a lot of work a lot of fun too definitely a lot of fun and a lot of great food we Heidi and I eat regularly out of the yard here do you also yes we do yeah Yeah, pretty much every day we're eating something out of the yard that's really important that's really important what do you consider the best things about growing your own food well, it's really healthy. That is the best thing for me. Mm-hmm. Is just, and I'm not just talking about a nutritional standpoint, although that is really important because mm-hmm. when you harvest something from your yard, it doesn't have time to lose a whole bunch of nutrients right. like it does when it has to be shipped to a store and then wait around for you to buy it and then take it home. Mm-hmm. If I pick it and eat it, it's much more highly nutritious oh, yes, right. because the nutrients haven't had a chance to degrade. Mm-hmm. But From another standpoint, it's very healthy for me to get outside, spend time in nature, Mm -hmm. and exercise. Right. I used to go to the gym to get my exercise. (laughs) You used to pay to go to the gym. I paid to go to the gym. I would have to make myself go. I really didn't like it that much, but I loved how it made me feel afterwards. Mm -hmm. Yes. But with a garden, I go out, I do my gardening, I look forward to it. It's peaceful to me spiritually. Mm Mm-hmm. And it gives me good exercise. And when I go in, I have that same really great feeling, like I got a good workout. Right. But I also have something else to show for it. I've got a garden. Oh, yes. And I don't have to pay to keep doing that, you know. I don't have to pay a membership fee. Exactly. I can just go out right in my backyard and do it whenever I feel like. You get paid to do it. Oh, yes. With fresh food, right? Yes. I, you know, I don't have to go to the store and spend a bunch of money because I've got so many things right here. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. That's building your pantry into your yard, isn't it? Yes, it is. Like yeah. they say, grow your groceries, and I do. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. In this whole process that you've been doing of becoming an urban farmer and growing food, what what are the top three things you would want our listeners to know? Well, I'm going to start first with local gardeners here in the valley or uh-huh. anyone who lives in an arid climate Okay. Um, to definitely get that mulch on the ground mm-hmm. when you start growing. Um, we talked about that just a few minutes ago in relation to water, but it also really helps with doing soil building on your property. Mm-hmm. And so mulch is, it's organic material that is chunky. It's not broken down. It doesn't look like soil, like compost does. Uh-huh. 
So wood chips or straw, these are organic materials that can be used to put down as a layer on top of the soil. It will protect the soil, it will hold in your moisture, and it will feed the soil as it breaks down, which nice. is really important yeah, big time. for the microbial activity. Because in air, arid climates, our soils don't have a lot of microbial activity mm -hmm. going on. So right. we got to get it generating, and we do that with the organic matter that we put in the soil in the form of compost and on top of the soil in the form of mulch. Perfect. So that's for local growers, although it applies to other growers as well. Um, but for growers, wherever they are, I would definitely, if you're going to start gardening or start an urban farm, get some education. Mm -hmm. Learn before you go out there and try it. Yes, it can be less costly that way, it right? It can be much less costly and much less frustrating mm -hmm. that way. If you get some knowledge and if you do some proper prior planning uh -huh. using the knowledge that you learn. And number three? Well, I just told you to get educated and make a plan before you garden, but I don't want you to get stuck there. Oh, yes. Definitely get growing something. Even if it's just a plant in a container on your patio, while you're in that learning phase, start growing something. Mm -hmm. And don't get caught up in having to have everything perfect or knowing everything because those are two unattainable goals. So just get some basic knowledge and do a basic plan and then start do it and get out there get some experience because that's where you're really going to learn and do it every day even if it's just for five minutes and just just start so there's another really important piece to all of this is being an urban farmer and that's how do we monetize what we're doing to you know make a contribution but also to help you know support us in the work we're doing what have you done around the micro farm project to do that well it really is important to have an ecological function or an economic function to your urban farm otherwise it will just cost you money and mm -hmm. be a drain on your finances and that's yeah. not what we want so first of all on our farm we try to use uh, resources that are on site mm -hmm. and not go buy a lot of bagged products so we do composting and things like that right. so that we don't have to go spend a lot of money so that's not really earning an income but it is important because it saves us money and doesn't take money out of our farming budget. It's reducing the amount of money that you have to spend. That's right. Yeah. And it and it reduces our cost at the grocery store because so many things that we're growing we eat. Perfect, right. Then beyond that, if we want to earn an income, I you know, I'm not really one who wants to go to the farmers market and do things like that, although it's admirable and wonderful and I know a lot of farmers who do that and I would encourage people to do that. But for me, uh, I have monetized my farm mostly by providing education. Oh, yes. Yeah, so yeah. we teach classes, but it's beyond that as well. So a few years ago, we raised a bunch of turkeys, and then we had people buy the turkey, but they didn't actually buy the turkey. They bought the processing class, and they went home with a turkey that oh, they learned how to process themselves. Interesting. And we've done that with our sheep as well. We invited chefs and their staff to come and do a butchering demonstration. So we wow. we processed and we did all the, the proper cuts and the wrapping and all, all of those things that are really important to make the meat taste good and to 
work for a chef in a uh -huh. restaurant as well as a home kitchen. And so that cut our costs because we charged a bit for other people to come and watch uh -huh. that process. And our daughters sell eggs to people that we know. One of my daughters sells some herbs, and we talked about how she's got a plan to to make some herbal products as well, well to sell. Uh -huh. And uh, we sometimes will sell our compost. Most of the time I just donate it out. <laughs> but our farm isn't making money hand over fist, but we are holding our own and we're able to farm without breaking the bank because we do some things nice. to monetize it. Right, perfect, perfect. So you've mentioned education along the way on several occasions. I want to talk about our Growing Food the Basics class that we offer through Urban Farm U. That's something that you and I teach together. Yes, it's um, a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. We generally give it a once every quarter. Mm -hmm. uh, and so tell us a little bit about the course, would you? Sure. The course is a seven-week class. And we cover all the basics of starting a garden from the planning phase to selecting even what kind of garden you're going to grow to determining where the best place to locate that garden is. We talk about the sun and how that affects your garden and how to maximize sun, which is a free resource on every farm. Mm -hmm. We talk about water. So like I mentioned, I didn't know how to water here in oh, the yeah. desert. And water really is a key component to keeping our gardens healthy. And we don't want to use more than we need to because it's not good for our plants or for our budget right. or the or the environment uh -huh. for that matter. Uh, we talk about feeding the garden. We talk about making the whole process sustainable. There's so many things that we talk about in that seven weeks Seeds and transplants. Yeah, seeds and yeah. transplants and even just having a, a harvesting plan so that when you get that abundant harvest, you have a plan in advance to know what to do, do with, with it. Do with it, yeah. Yeah, that's a big key to gardening. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've grown food here at the urban farm and then I have an abundance and, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, what do I do with it? And then I don't do anything and then it goes, it goes bad and, mm -hmm. you know, I kick myself. Right. So actually, uh, we got a, a dehydrator this year, and so we dehydrated, and so we, I put some of that, with, with actually with your prompting, I, you know, I put some of these structures in place myself. Mm -hmm. It helps a lot. It certainly does, and it prevents waste from happening, because yeah. sometimes we don't know what to expect, especially when we first start out gardening. Right. And it's a wonderful thing to get a bumper crop. But if you can't make use of it then quickly the, yeah. while it's fresh, yeah, then, exactly. then it's a problem. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So our courses here at Urban Farm U, this is a, one of our signature courses, so it's one of the ones that we sell. But just prior to that, usually the two weeks prior to that, we give a couple of free webinars. Yes, uh, we do. So we, tell us a little bit about those. Well, we do Gardening Unearthed. Uh-huh which is a, a bird's eye view of the Growing Through the Basics class. So we yeah. talk about all seven of the concepts that we discuss during mm -hmm. the week, during the weeks, but, but we, we just touch on them very lightly. Mm -hmm. We give enough information for people to be able to go ahead and get started. So um, people can actually so do get, something with yes, that. There's, they, there's learning in they, the, absolutely. the free webinar. Absolutely, so they can, it's good content. So if that's all you listen to, you're gonna walk away with something um, really wonderful to get you started. Uh, but then we also, also do a Q&A. Oh yes, questions and answers. So if throughout all of the courses that we offer. Right, but you have questions along the way, you can get those personal questions asked. There's a second webinar called Right Plant, Right Place, Right Time. Right. I really like that one. It's basically an intro to permaculture. It is. But we it break is. it down really simply yeah. into 
terms that are really easy to implement and it's a great class to take before growing through the basics because it gets the wheels starting to turn about yeah. design and planning a garden exactly yeah exactly awesome well thank you so much for that you can check urbanfarm.org for the growing food the basics class there's always information up about that so curry is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap this thing up well, I'm really glad to be on the podcast today, and I thank you so much for inviting me. And Absolutely. I'm so excited that there are people out there who are interested in doing this. It's just amazing to see how the interest in urban farming has surged. And it, I used to feel sort of alone in this, and I really mm-hmm. don't anymore. There's so many people that are interested in it now, so I'm really happy that people are out there and that they're listening and they're doing it. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us on the show and sharing your experience with us today, Kari. It's been a blast. And thank you for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Until next time, have a farmtastic day. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. Hey, Urban Farm Podcast listeners. If you're as passionate about preserving the bounty of each season as we are, hey, I canned my first peaches at the age of 18, and that was a long time ago then you're going to love what our friends over at Denali Canning have in store for you. They're on a mission to spread the love and knowledge of food preservation, and they're inviting you to join the journey for free. Right now, Denali Canning is offering free canning lids to anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of food preservation. Yes, you heard that right, absolutely free. It's the perfect opportunity for both seasoned canners and those curious about starting. Denali is about quality, reliability, and supporting the canning community, ensuring that you get the best results every time you preserve. So why not give it a try? Visit DenaliCanning.com forward slash free to claim your free lids and start your preserving adventures today. That's DenaliCanning.com forward slash free.